Sydney Moon, and welcome to the Holiday Moons Podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. This is Cole, and I will be playing a Valentine's numbers game with us today. Fun. This is Beth, and I will be sharing some just interesting facts about Valentine's Day that you may or may not know. Just interesting. Just some interesting ones, yes. (laughs) Not some uninteresting ones. Not the boring ones. No boring ones. This is Randy, and I will be talking about Valentine's Day cards. So obviously, you can tell, this is our first Valentine's Day episode for the year. We'll have two prior to the actual event. But we need to talk about our holiday happenings for the week. One that I had, well, we all actually had, was that it snowed yesterday morning. That was our second official snow of 2020. It was kind of a lighter than expected snow, just about an inch, and then a lot of sleet and ice associated with it. But we had prepped for it, so we were pretty much home all day. Yes. Through it, we didn't need to go anywhere, so that was nice. That was very nice. Everybody was home. It was a Saturday. It's a good day for it to be sleeting and icing out there versus having us have to be on the roads. That's right. And your niece, who was driving from Arkansas with her husband, That's right. uh, made it up to Pennsylvania, who was getting it worse than us, getting right. more of it, um, yep. actually made it safe through all that. So that was yep. good and positive. That was. That's right. And... And currently, stores are in full swing with Valentine's decorations, candy, a lot of stuffed animals. Cards. Cards. I also, like, there's, like, a baking section. And um, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but, you know, the hearts that you can get full of candy, there's a lot more variety now. So, for instance, I love Swedish fish. And I think there's one, like a Swedish fish one, yeah. And like Sour Patch Kids, and it's just become a lot more... um, More than just chocolates. Yeah. Interesting. And as we'll find out more about in this episode, the history of crafts and Valentines and cards goes back a long way. Does it go back as far as snowmen? No. Beginning of cards. So it doesn't begin with stacking. No, it does not begin with the caveman stacking. Caveman. Man has always loved to stack. That's That's true. true. There really isn't any stacking in Valentine's Day that I can think of. No, like people always like to stack. Cats always like to knock things down. I mean, it's a (laughs) win-win for both of us. It's a loser. That's true. That's true. And tomorrow is actually Martin Luther King's birthday holiday. For some people, that's the day off, not for everybody. Yes, so it's a federal holiday. That's right, in the United States. It was first introduced into law in 1983 by President Reagan, and it was first observed three years later. But I thought it was interesting. It wasn't observed by all 50 states until 2000 for the first time. Really? Yeah, really? to the year 2000. There were some holdouts? There were. Speaking of Martin Luther King's birthday, right. what about some fun Valentine's Day numbers? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Nothing to do. <laughs> One flows right into the other. So it's always kind of fun to take a look at holidays, see which holidays you know people spend the most money on, and just kind of take a look at the numbers. So we're going to be doing a numbers game on uh, some Valentine's Day statistics. And can we look them up on our phone? You could I don't have any physical way to restrain you, but okay. I would prefer if you didn't. Okay. Um, so no. So, so, yes. so that's <laughs> a no. Bad. All right. So let's start off with what percent of Americans celebrate Valentine's Day? And I have a 
there's it's A B C for each of these. Good. No. <laughs> so A is fifty one. B is forty nine. C is forty four. Man, these are all close together. Yeah, you should have put D like hundred percent. Yeah, all of the above. <laughs> so by process of elimination, right. you can feel a little better about yourself. Celebrate a. it. Celebrate. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna assume that includes like children and things. I'm gonna say A. I'm gonna say B. I already said A. My A was before your dad's A. You just didn't hear it. Did you? Can we not share numbers? Yeah, we can. The answer is fifty-one percent A. Ah. Yep. Which is actually. A little, a little higher lower. than I thought it really? would be. Really? Yeah. I thought it was a little lower. I no. was thinking, you know, 70%. Because I know so much money spent on it mm-hmm. from just a little over half the population. And celebrating America. Valentine's could just be exchanging cards. There's not like really a bar to say what celebrating what does that means. Mean? Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, and Maybe there's Valentine's Day. Doing well. something for Valentine's Day. Yeah. And I think this is Valentine's Day, not Galentine's Day. Oh, it doesn't it include the, the Galentine's oh, okay. Day. Okay, really? For okay. those that may not know, what exactly is Galentine's Day in, in the It is a gathering celebration of that girls have with each other or women, and it's just a fun way to celebrate friendship. Yeah, exactly. And didn't it first it started out as single women, but now really it's just women in general. Exactly. Right. So let's talk about which age group spends the most money on Valentine's Day. Okay. So we have A, 44 to 65. B, 35 to 44. C, 21 to 34. C, A. A. Wait, what was A? A was the oldest group. And I would say A because they have the most available to spend. Because they've gotten older, gotten raises, that sort of thing. And they've gotten wiser. (laughs) And they value their spouse enough to... Mm. And you said C, the youngest? Yeah, but I'm taking that back because millennials, I feel like, are of all the generations least likely to celebrate Valentine's Day. Right. It's so just it's, it's a, a big corporate hoax. Yeah, apparently. So A, um, I changed my answer to A. Well, you would have been wrong if you'd done C and all of you are wrong with A because it is the 35 to 44 age Weird. Group. Interesting. Yeah, I was thinking not them because they probably have kids, but They're maybe... Busy. But yeah. maybe that's what they're, where they're spending their money. Maybe uh, that age group yeah. is a little more willing to go the extra mile for like date nights and things mm-hmm. like that. Right. Well, and especially family, because I remember um, when we were younger, you guys would give us like Valentine's Day gifts, and that was always fun, right? And we always created a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's art supplies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so next, total spent on jewelry. Oh, just jewelry. Right? Jewelry. Good lord. Let's hear these Wait till you hear it. Number A. <laughs> or letter A. A. Five billion. B. Four point one billion. And C. Three point nine billion. Uh, Another close one. Yeah. <laughs> C. A. I'm going to go B just to make it different. Just to be different. Yeah. It is a $3.9 billion. I thought that was just an odd number. Like, if it had made something up, a lot of, I guess it would have been like 3.5 or something like that. Mm-hmm. That was my reason. Well, let's talk about how much, uh, how much we spend on date night. Okay. So, A is $3.5 billion. 
B is three billion, and C is two point five billion. I never spend that much on date night. <laughs> <laughs> You don't? I know that. <laughs> She's <Jeez>. noticed. <laughs> okay, go through me. What did you say? So we have 3.5 billion, 3 billion, and 2.5 billion. Sydney said C. I'll say B. I'll say C. Well, it is A. <laughs> 3.5 billion. Wow. It's wow. a lot of billions. A lot of billions. A lot of money. Yeah. So what is the other... Big Valentine's Day thing that you would think of a people... Cards. Cards? No, no, no. Flowers. Chocolate or flowers? Let's move on to candy. Candy, okay. Yep. So, for candy, spent on candy, I have A, $1.8 billion, B, $1.5 billion, or C, $1.3 billion. A. B. Uh, C. It is $1.8 billion. Which one was that? A. Oh. <laughs> I think Sydney's winning so far. I think Sydney is too. But this one's interesting. Average spent on your significant other. On Valentine's Day? On Valentine's Day. A is $123. B is $93. And C is $73. C. C. B. It's B. Yes. $93. That sounds adequate. (laughs) It's acceptable. And here I was thinking of like the $1 like chocolate hearts that you can get at stores or whatever. Do you think that would include going out to eat? I imagine that that might include going out to eat. It probably includes jewelry. It's no longer adequate. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But that's just your meal, not both meals. Oh, okay. Well, then we're back to being adequate. (laughs) Right. That's you've outspent on your significant other. Right. Okay. That means, you know, wife spending on husbands as well. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're in Japan, and then you have White Day for men. That's That's right. right. So, this one speaks very close to my heart. The amount spent on unwanted gifts. (laughs) So, for those of you who don't know, I'm not a gift person. Don't like getting, getting, the whole process. Which is sad, because your father's love language is gift giving. Yep, and... And so is mine. Mine is not. And that is so is your sister's. Mine is quality time, so give me the gift of your time and we'll be all good. No, that's not That's not my <laughs> no, that's not how choice. it works. <laughs> well, well, we'll compromise. But for now, A is $9.5 billion, B is $8.5 billion, and C is $7.5 billion. B. Uh, A. A. So, whoever did the survey, the people had to think that this is an unwanted... Like, how would you specify unwanted No, I have gift? absolutely no idea how you would specify an unwanted gift. Yeah. Because, hmm. like, there's candy, but that's a disposable. Right? But you so, might not want it. Right. It could be that, yeah, that's right. Like, easy I thing. ate it, but I didn't want it. <laughs> I know, right? Okay, how many of this percent have <laughs> yeah. used their gifts? Right. I didn't want all this jewelry. <laughs> right. How many, uh, how many guys misinterpreted their relationship with... <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Yeah, it's right. a lady friend. That's right. <laughs> on, on lots of gifts. That could include uh, engagement rings that were, she said no, on Valentine's Day. Uh, those are, those would be very expensive, I imagine. There are a lot of engagements on Valentine's Day. Yep. Yeah, but you better talk to your partner before doing anything like that. The percent of women who said that they wanted chocolate for Valentine's Day. A, 52. B, 42. C, 32. Who said they wanted chocolate? Yes. Amount of women surveyed. Right. So I'd say B, 42. C. C. It is C. 
32. Oh. Okay. Those women were clearly not Beth Moon. They weren't. <laughs> I like chocolate a lot. Then we've got two more here. Uh, second to last is the percent of women who said they would break up with their significant other if he forgot about Valentine's Day. Wow, that's pretty harsh. Yep. So we have A, 20, B, 38, and C, 53. Say what the topic was again? A percent of women surveyed who said they would, I'm going to say consider breaking up with their significant other if he forgot about Valentine's oh. Day. A. A. What was A? 20. Okay, what were they again? 20, 38, 53. Oh, oh, oh. I'm going to change my mind to B. Yeah. B. C. B. It is C, 53. Wow. Because you can say it, but that's not to say that you're going to actually do, do it. Right. But you might be mad at the time. Right. Right. <laughs> Which is why I changed the uh, the phrasing to they said that they would. Yeah. Or they would consider. Mm-hmm. And then last of all, the percent of increase in Tinder and Match.com profiles on Valentine's Day. A, 40 B, 30, C, 20. B. C. C. It is C. Ah. 20%. I thought it was interesting, the comment about engagements. So I'm going to add one to Cole's. A little bit different, but I'm going to give you three holidays. You have to put them in the order of the most engagements on the holidays. So Valentine's Day, Christmas, and Christmas Eve. So put them in order of one, two, and three, which you think has the most engagements, to the least engagements of those three holidays. Um, I want to say Christmas Eve, Valentine's Day, Christmas Day. I was going to say the exact same thing. Oh, uh, Valentine's Day, Christmas Day, Christmas Eve. You're all wrong. Christmas Day was first. Valentine's Day was second. Christmas Eve was third. And the number of couples that will probably get engaged on Valentine's Day in the United States is six million. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing, yes. So 12 million people are participating. Yes. So I was doing some research, and it said, hey, furry friends need love too. In fact, more than 5 million American households gave Valentine's Day presents to their pet dogs last year. (laughs) And more than 2 million picked up presents for their cats. But even though more American households buy gifts for their dogs, people actually spend more on their pet kitties. An average of $96 per household compared to $81 for dogs. I would never have guessed that. That cats get more gifts because they're so unappreciative. I know. (laughs) On the picture, it was really cute. It had a little kitten surrounded by little pink things. It actually had a little pink sweater vest thing on. (laughs) I'm sure it wasn't happy about that. The humans wrestled them on. That's right. So... Valentine's Day is often said to be a big corporate scheme, but it's more than just a Hallmark holiday. It actually has a pretty rich history that dates all the way back to ancient Rome. Across the United States and other parts of the world, people celebrate February 14th by exchanging everything from candy hearts and red roses to cute cards and romantic gifts or just friend gifts with others. So here are some Valentine's Day interesting facts. It has some pretty dark roots. Unsurprisingly, everything, every topic that you seem to come up with has got yes. black roots. <laughs> Even if it's lemonade or uh, iced tea. Yeah. I'm not going to go into what all it is, but historians believe Valentine's Day actually began in ancient Rome as a pagan fertility festival called Lupercalia. Mm-hmm. And Do we? 
Do we historians believe that? Um, Let me look at you. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do you see belief in my eyes? <laughs> With a celebration dedicated to Faunus, the Roman god of agriculture, and the founders of Rome, Romulus and Remus. So that was interesting. I'll let you go figure out or Google what all happened at that pagan festival because I'm not really... Mm-hmm. We actually talked about it last, last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So go back to last year's podcast. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, Romulus... Also the capital of the Romulan Empire. In Star Trek. Star Trek. Oh, that's a fun True fact. True fact. St. <laughs> <laughs> Valentine wasn't just one person. In fact, he may have been two or three, but the most common founder of Valentine's Day was the St. Valentine who defied Emperor Claudius II. At the time, Claudius had banned marriage because he thought it distracted young soldiers. Valentine felt differently, so he illegally married couples until he was caught. After he was sentenced to his death, young couples would visit his cell and give him flowers and cards. And the day he actually died was February 14th, allegedly. But there have been multiple St. Valentines throughout history. There was another one that was in prison and fell in love with a jailer's daughter and wrote her a letter. His name was Valentine, from your Valentine. So there's some different ideas about how Valentine's Day all began. Came to be... There are letters addressed to Juliet and sent to Verona, Italy each year. And this is because of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, the romantic tragedy. The city is where that Shakespearean tale takes place. So they're actually answered by a team of volunteers from the Juliet Club. Each year on Valentine's Day, the club awards the... And I'm not going to pronounce this right, but it's um, the Caraguilleta, which is Dear Juliet Prize, to the author of the most touching love letter. So that was just funny that Verona, Italy, gets all these letters to a fictional character. They have a club of volunteers that answer the letters. I also loved how when you tried to pronounce the word... You did the uh, the Italian hand gesture. Italian hand. Like it would help. Caraguilleta. <laughs> That, I was going to say, no need for fake Italian accents. <laughs> I'm probably not. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. There was no need for fake Italian accents. It's to help not you. a fake Italian accent. Anyway, so we have all heard the saying, wearing your heart on your sleeve. It may have origins in picking a valentine. According to the Smithsonian, during the Middle Ages, men would draw the names of women who they would be coupled with for the upcoming year while attending a Roman festival honoring Juno. After choosing, the men wore the names on their sleeves to show their bond during the festivities. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so during those festivities, you were matched up. So it's like a early mandatory Tinder, I guess. Where the women didn't have a choice. Until, I don't, yeah, neither did the men. <laughs> How ex- right, but the men got to pick. Yeah, they didn't say whether that was like drawing a name out of a hat, did they? No, they It could have just been they chose somebody. Right. That's true. It could have been first come, first serve. But it could have been draw a name out of like a satchel. Right, that's true. Not a hat. Often at the bottom of letters you see XOXOX, so kiss, hug, kiss, Mm -hmm. hug. How X came to mean kiss. The X came to represent Christianity or the cross in the Middle Ages. During the same time, the symbol was often used to sign off on documents. After marking with an X, the writer would often kiss the mark as a sign of their oath. Did that sound like as a sign of their oath or sign of their oath? Oath was what it sounded like. Sign of their oath. <laughs> <laughs> After 
marking with an X, the writer would often kiss the mark as a sign of their oath. As the practice grew, both kings and commoners to certify books, letters, and paperwork, these records were described as having been sealed with a kiss. So that was just a little interesting thing since we often do XOX on Valentine's. Yeah, that's interesting because, um, well, I guess I maybe wondered about it, but I didn't really think to research it. Right, yeah. Because I remember as a kid, like, passing out, like, little cards, like, when yeah. we were in preschool or whatever, and, I mean, it was just a common, like, symbol, I guess. Right, so. right the first symbols that they've had of those little Cupid candies were XOXO. Yeah. You yeah. know? So Cole had brought up chocolates in his statistics game. Yep. The first heart-shaped box of chocolates was introduced in 1861. It was created by Richard Cadbury. Oh. Right? Son of Cadbury founder John Cadbury, who started packaging chocolates in fancy boxes to increase sales. He introduced the first heart-shaped box of chocolates for Valentine's Day in 1861, and today, more than 36 million heart-shaped boxes of chocolate are sold each year. It's amazing how much that family has influenced our culture. Isn't it? Our candy culture. Candy culture, right? yeah. yeah. It is amazing. Even holidays, yeah. It said that's 58 million pounds of chocolate. That's a lot of chocolate. Yeah. You know the little parts that have the little words on them. Yeah, right? yeah. never really tasted good. No, they always had the kind of the texture of chalk. Chalky yeah. tasting, yep. Beyond, hey, we're familiar cute. with the chalky candies. <laughs> <laughs> but they were still fun. Yeah, they're very cute. And I happened to like them. So, oh. Do you like the taste? Do I love like, everything about them. Do you like chalk, really? Do <laughs> yes. you like chalk? Did you grow up eating that? No. So Cole has this game now that um, like zaps you if you lie. Would you say that you like them if we had that game out? Yes. <laughs> Would it zap you? No. <laughs> <laughs> so weirdly enough, the story of Conversation Hearts began when a Boston pharmacist named Oliver Chase invented a machine that simplified the way medical lozenges used for sore throats and other illnesses could be made. The result was America's first candy-making machine because the pharmacist soon started shifting his focus from making lozenges to candy instead. Chase founded the New England Confectionery Company, or NECO, and the candy lozenges soon became what we know today as NECO wafers. Now, I'm pretty oh. sure the NECO wafers are round and thin. Yeah, like they are. Big, round, and thin. It was in 1866 that we got the first printed messages on the conversation hearts. So, Oliver's brother, Oliver was the one who created the machine. So, Oliver's brother, Daniel, started putting sentimental messages on the Necco sweethearts. Though these candies were bigger than the versions we have today and featured much longer sayings and phrases. (laughs) One of the first messages, how long shall I have to wait? Please be considerate. And it's considerate, but I just wanted to rhyme. But it looks like it rhymes. It does. So that's kind of a lot of words to put on a heart. It is. More than 8 billion conversation hearts are manufactured each year. 8 billion. So NECO has started to make them just days after February 14th to have enough in time for the next Valentine's Day. That's almost 100,000 pounds per day. Each box has approximately 45 sayings, including true love, hug me, and you rock. But, and I didn't know this, you can also personalize your own. Oh. And this is kind of scary and weird. Don't worry if you still have last year's box. They have a shelf life of five years. Oh. So, wow. it goes back to chalk. Yeah. All right. Chalk has a long shelf life. It does. It does. <laughs> okay. So, my final interesting fact, and I really like this one. During the Victoria era, 
Those who didn't want the attention of certain suitors would anonymously send vinegar valentines. According to Smithsonian, those cards were the antithesis of customary valentines, comically insulting and rejecting unwanted admirers. They were later used to target suffragettes in the late 19th and 20th centuries. Now, after having read the little Smithsonian thing, I have to say, they were not always comical. And I have some examples. Okay. They were just mean? Yes! <laughs> so it starts out not too bad. So this first one. You ask to see me home, kind sir. I thank you, but decline. One bow is quite enough for me. I'm satisfied with mine. You need not sit upon the fence to see me going by. I cannot give you such a chance. There now, dear me, don't cry. Okay, so that's one. That's actually not too bad. It's not comical either, but it's not too bad. It's kind of like, hey, stalker, stalker. <laughs> you must stop. The next one has a picture of a large, nasty woman leaning over. She's a sales lady leaning over a sales counter and talking to a woman that's much smaller. And she has a shocked look at her face. So this is something that you would send literally to. It says sales lady. As you wait upon the women with disgust upon your face. The way you snap and bark at them, one would think you owned the place. What? Wow. Oh, snap, sales lady. <laughs> <laughs> now a little suffragette kind of bad stuff. Your vote from me you will not get. I don't want a preaching suffragette. Now this one is something a woman would send to a man. It has a picture of a man. The man is a snake and he has a top hat and he has a nice little coat and Oh, yeah, well, at least she has a nice little coat and tie on. Yeah. I'm not attracted by your glitter, for well I know how very bitter my life would be if I should take you for my spouse, a rattlesnake. Oh, no, I'd not accept the ring. Or evermore, t'would prove a sting. What? <laughs> no, Reginald, I won't take your hand in marriage, you snake. All, All right. Reginald's. This one has a big lemon on it, and in the lemon it says, To my valentine. So it sounds like it's going to start out nice. Tis a lemon that I hand you and bid you now skidoo. Because I love another, there is no chance for you. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) And this last one that I have, an example of, is at the top on the valentine card. It has a woman carrying around a man in a duffel. And it says, held in bondage. And it says, your wifey holds you in her hands. You dare not disobey commands. And every single cent you earn, she takes. And so has money to burn. So it says, in 1910s, an anonymous postcard might berate a couple if the woman were perceived as dominating the man. The same sort of arguments were made against women's suffrage, which we had also heard a little bit ago. Valentines and vinegar valentines alike were once a booming business. In 1905, San Francisco, 25,000 valentines were delayed because of overworked postal clerks, which I thought was very interesting. And the more surly cards weren't always welcomed by postmasters. Another 25,000 valentines were held in a Chicago post office for being unfit to send due to the many rude and vinegar valentines in the hall. Wow. I know. That so seems illegal. I know. I know. Right? <laughs> well, now it is, yeah. yeah. Back then, the postmaster gets to decide whether or not something should get uh, delivered, I guess. Yeah. Yes, so. So, I found all that stuff quite interesting. Quite. Valentine's Day trivia. So, 
Valentine's Day cards and greetings have been popular since way back in the Middle Ages. At that time, prospective lovers said or sang romantic verses to others. Written Valentines, though, didn't appear until the uh, 14-1500s. And the first written Valentine is traditionally attributed to the imprisoned Charles, Duke of Orleans, in 1415. He was confined in the Tower of London after a battle, and he, as a young duke, reportedly passed his time by writing romantic verses for his wife, who was in France. Approximately 60 of the duke's poems remain and can be seen among the royal papers in the British Museum. They are credited with being the very first modern-day Valentines. Wow, that's interesting. Oh, go ahead. Moving forward in time, so sometime after the 1720s, the popularity of Valentine cards in America, a colony at the time, began to grow because there was an import of Valentine writers from England. Do you know what a Valentine writer is? One who wrote Valentine's Day cards? No, it was a booklet comprised of a vast array of verses and messages which could be copied onto fancy paper or other decorative sheets and kind of put into your own Valentine's message. Right. And they somebody. sold them, right? right? They were for sale. Yes, they were like yes. a little cheap book. Right. Yeah. right? So, so you before get... you had Google, <laughs> right. you had this. <laughs> exactly right. One popular Valentine's writer contained not only Be My Valentine type of verses for men to send to their sweethearts, but also acceptance answers from ladies to return to um, people. So it is interesting back then there was a back and forth of Valentine's, whereas now it's kind of a one-way or you do it at the same time. So I guess yes wasn't sufficient. Right. <laughs> for the woman's side. Right. Right. You would get it. And you think about it, if it was any kind of distance, you, know, you write your Valentine, and these are generally fancy Valentines. There's a lot of work put into it. And there was a pause, and then there's a Valentine's return. So Valentine's sending wasn't on a single day. It was over a long period of time. Oh, right. So it was an event, not a day. That's right. Moving forward in time again to the 1800s in America didn't become a true tradition until around the time of the Civil War, when Valentine cards often depicted sweethearts parting or a tent with flaps that opened up to reveal a soldier. So the distance of the war, right, and the increasing uh, availability of, of supplies made Valentines, whether they're cards or papers or whatever, become more popular. So these were known as windows, this little flap that would open up to reveal a soldier. So in peacetime after the war, the window would be a church door opening to reveal a bride and a groom. So another novelty that occurred during the Civil War was for a card to have a place to put a lock of hair. Oh, interesting. So it didn't say whose lock of hair. Is it the man sending a lock of hair or the woman sending? Yeah, that's what I would guess too. In the 1800s, they began to be assembled in factories. So the early manufactured Valentines in the early 1800s were rather simplistic, composed of black and white pictures that were then painted by factory workers. Later in the mid-1800s, there was more of the fancy Valentines that had real lace and ribbons on the Valentine itself. And then paper lace began to be introduced into cards in the late 1800s. So, Valentine's at that time contained delicate and artistic messages with pictures of turtle doves, lovers' knots in gold or silver, bows and arrows, cupids, bleeding hearts, those sorts of things. In that Victorian era, 
there was a lot of different styles of uh, Valentine's cards. So one was an acrostic. So this is a Valentine's containing verses in which the first line spelled out the loved one's name. Oh, okay. So it would be B-E-T-H for you, and I'd put a, a Valentine set of verses that began with B, began with E, began with T, okay. began with H. And these were all hand done. They were cut out Valentines. So these were Valentines made by folding paper several times and then cutting out lace-like design with small, sharp-pointed scissors. There was something called Fractor Valentines. These had ornamental lettering in the style of illuminated manuscripts from the Middle Ages. Pinprick Valentines, which were made by pricking tiny holes in paper with a pin or needle and creating the appearance of lace. So obviously that took a lot of time. Yeah, it seems like it would be just get lace. (laughs) If you have it. Yeah. There was Theorem or Puna Valentines, which were painted through stencil cut in oil paper. And these originated actually in the Orient at the time. There were Puzzle Purse Valentines, customarily homemade, in which it contained a folded puzzle to be read and solved, then refolded. Not only was it necessary to decipher the message, it was also necessary to refold the paper correctly once it was opened. This valentine contained many folds of verses that had to be read in a certain sequence. The order of the verses was usually numbered, and the recipient would have to twist the folds in order to determine what had to be written. So this is much more complex. Yeah, really. And the last style from the Victorian era was something called a rebus valentine which contained romantic verses written in ink with certain words omitted and illustrated instead by tiny pictures. Like the image of an eye would take the place of the word I, for example. This was meant to be a riddle, and they were not necessarily easy to decipher. Commercial valentines were first uh, made in the 1800s in Britain, but Esther Howland, in 1840, a student at Mount Holyoke College, mass-produced the first American Valentines that year with the help of her father in Worcester, Massachusetts, which is very near where my sister lives. It is. Uh, Around 1830, she began to import lace and fine papers and other supplies for the creation of her cards. And employing several assistants and her brothers, she kind of created an assembly line and marketed her Worcester Valentines with a distinguishable little red H on the back to show that okay. it was made by so them. So it's branded. Right. So this was 1840-ish. The first year in business, she made an unexpected $5,000 in sales, which was a princely sum at the time. So I don't know if you can do the conversion. So $5,000 in 1840 would have been how much, Beth? $147,820 in 2020. Right, which is a lot of money. And she hadn't been expecting that. And she continued to invest in those Valentine's cards each year. Also during 1840, the first mechanical Valentine's were introduced. And that had like a little pull tab where a figure or object on the card could be made to move. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, so that was kind of a funny. And then they created three-dimensional cards. So there was actually a lot of card um, innovations in the mid-1800s. Which is funny because it sounds like a lot of these old cards were a lot more involved and complicated than ours are now, where it's just, you know, fold, open. It's got something funny. Usually something not as funny as the person writing the card seemed to have thought it was. Right. Which leads me into a short topic about cards today. So like Cole said, 
Cars back then were handmade for the most part. Um, even if they were manufactured, there was a lot of hands on that to make it fancier yeah. along the way. So there are several types of cards available in just regular card aisles at the you know, Target, Walmart, wherever you get your cards, Hallmark stores. And I found a um, couple of viewpoints on the types of cards and what that meant about you as a person if you pick this kind of card out for your Valentine. Okay. All right, oh. so I'm going to give you the type of card, and you tell me what you think that says about the person. Oh, wait, wait. Can we say what kind of card? I'm going to say you the kind of card. Oh. So, for instance, the first one is somebody who picks out the cartoon animal card for their Valentine's. What do you think that says about that person? That they're probably Probably someone's aunt. Probably somebody's aunt. I feel like that's an aunt card to give. Well, like, let's assume, oh, this is so funny. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I can see that. Let's assume, what does it say about a person who's giving it to their significant other? Um, Fun-loving. Okay. Sure. Cheap. Okay. I don't. I don't like it. Yeah. I, I think. Either. I think it's. It seems. And that could just be the relationship that you have, but it seems a little shallow. Yeah. This survey says that they're not shy about their feelings because often the animal cards have like big eyes with a lot of emotion in it. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't agree with all of these assessments. Yeah. But yeah. I thought it was interesting. Uh, the poetic card. Um. Probably someone who just grabbed it quickly. And <laughs> this looks good. Yeah, this one looks good enough. Probably didn't read the whole poem, but... I get bored with poems, so if it's too yeah. long, I just, I put it back. I can see someone, like, liking the idea yes. of the sentiment. Yes, and that's what it said. The person giving it was probably a patient person, right? They can read right. through yes. all this. <laughs> you know, it's like three pages of complete poetry. <laughs> Right, I, you know, but I, again, that assumes that there is a single demographic. That's, for, no, and there's not. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, So that's why I wanted to get but your inputs. Sense. Yeah, right. That makes sense because I'm not the most patient person. Right. And I'm, I get to line three, and I'm like bored. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> How about the bells and whistles cards? So the fancy ones. I like this. She means the ones that have like Could be, the extra things glued on yes, top and yes. the ribbons. Uh-huh. And I like those. So yeah, what those does that are, say about the person who gives them? I that think they're awesome. That that's someone who's willing to go the extra mile. Yeah, because they're Cause more expensive. They're more actually. expensive, and I think they're a little harder to like get together. You know, right? They're not as easily mass produced, right? Yeah. This one says you're reserved with your emotions, so you're kind of going over the top to make up for that. Okay. Well, oh, all right. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. That that's totally not me. I'm not even a little bit of room <laughs> yeah, surf, no. so. But it just goes to show, there, like Cole said, there isn't one. Right. Type. Right. So the seldom said car. So this is like, although I don't always say it, you know, the cars that lead right. with that. Except there's so many of them that somebody's always <laughs> saying. <laughs> so what does it say about that person? Not as comfortable. They feel insecure. Telling people about their emotions, but they are going out there and trying to doing their darndest, (laughs) putting themselves out there. (laughs) Right, even though they recognize that they don't themselves. This says you're appreciative, but you're not necessarily one who shares that. So you're trying to make up, not make up for it, but show that on Valentine's Day. And then just two more: the blank card. Oh gosh. Either what, you that have you to write be, your own stuff yeah. in? Yeah. You yeah. either have to be really creative. Right. I was thinking that too. Or you just grabbed it and didn't realize it was blank. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing that, that that might tell me is that you think I am not the biggest fan of getting the pre-written like poems or nice thing because it seems like you're not saying that thing. 
you know, you're just buying a card that has the nice thing written yeah. on it. But if you buy a blank card that looks nice mm-hmm. and you write your own thing that seems more genuine. Personal. What did you say? Personal. 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 More personal. Yeah, you put more time into it. Right. Right, because, well, unless you had a really short inside life. <laughs> That's what it. I'm thinking. Yeah. 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 It is funny. <laughs> If you think about that. Um, so this one says you're trendy because this is a very trendy thing to have oh. the blank inside card. So mm, I thought gotcha. that was uh, interesting that they said a lot of younger people write text messages. They're on Twitter. They're used to writing short kind of messages of their own. So that's a, a trendy thing right now. How about the singing card? It can be hilarious you're the or worst. obnoxious. You're the, worst. <laughs> you're the worst is what it tells me. Yes. I think part of it is when you're picking out your card is knowing the other person, right? Yeah, definitely. It's not about, hey, this this is me as a person, so I'm going to pick out this card, right? right. It's trying it's to think the what person. the other person. I know that you wouldn't like a long poetry-filled um, card. I know I that... I appreciate the sentiment. But I do know that you like that I've thought through the card and made sure that everything applies to us. Right. Right, because sometimes right. you read through those and they're like, mm, that doesn't really fit us very right. well. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly, yeah. Right, right. And the last card they had was the funny card, which they said, you hit the jackpot. You're comfortable in your relationship and you know your partner well, <laughs> which I thought was funny. This person obviously values the funny card. Yeah. Right. And the cartoony card. Yes. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, those are probably the, a very emotional person. <laughs> I will be. say that for us, I usually get you two different cards. Yeah. And I was going to mention that too. That's right. Cards. Yeah. A lot of times we'll get two different kinds of cards. Yeah. One's a little more serious. Right. And one's a little more fun. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. So, the fun yeah. one's usually got like a Mickey or a peanut something yeah. or, or something. Sometimes it has like the, a couple in uh, animal form, and it kind of talks about different parts of their life together. Uh, so it kind of walks through that. Yeah. Um, that's the part where I have to read it closely to make sure it applies. Definitely, right? yeah. Yeah, nothing about golf for our relationship. Right, yeah, know, exactly. Those kind of things. So, yeah, so interesting when you, th- when you think about picking out your cards and kind of where they come from, a lot of the value of the time and effort put into it. Mm-hmm. I know you said, Beth, that one of the things you loved when our kids were little was when they made things for you, oh my they goodness. made the cards for you, and they put all the time and energy into creating I it for you. I loved their little cards. Yes. And we they made little best. cards for um, our classmates, too, when yep. we were really little. Yep. Yeah. Super and cute. We talked about the handmade things on the Christmas tree. We actually have a lot of your handmade Valentine's in boxes in the, the basement. Yeah. Yes. Some of the more complicated ones kind of fell apart, but several of them we have. Okay. So that wraps up Valentine's episode number one for this year. We hope you have fun time getting ready for Valentine's Day. Future festivities are for the week of February 3rd. February 3rd is National Football Hangover Day. Guess why? Because the yeah. previous day was the Super Bowl. <laughs> February 4th, na- February 4th, Thank Your Mailman Day. February 5th, National Weather Person's Day. February 6th. National Chopsticks Day. February 7th, Wear Red Day. February 8th, Laugh and Get Rich Day. February 9th is Toothache Day. (laughs) You can always follow us on social media. For Twitter, we are at Holiday underscore Moons. On Instagram, we are at Holiday Moons, all one word. And on Facebook, you can find our Facebook page and group by searching Holiday Moons in the search bar. And you can contact us at any time at holidaymoons at gmail.com. So for Sydney, Cole, Beth, and Randy, Happy Valentine's Day!
right in the middle of a good dream Like all at once I wake up From something that keeps knocking at my brain Before I go insane I hold my pillow to my head And spring up in my bed Screaming out the words I dread I think I love you This morning I woke up with this feeling I didn't know how to deal with And so I just decided to myself I'd hide it to myself And never talk about it And did not go and shout it When you walked into the room I think I love you I don't know what it's all about I got so much to think about Better stay around and love you Do you think I have a case? 